For as long as we have lived, for as long as we have known, love has carried us. You're listening to the Sermon Podcast of Genesis West in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. You can find out more about us at genesiscove.org. Enjoy the teaching. Our scripture reading today is from Mark 12, 28 to 34. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, he asked him, Which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, The first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and beside him there is no other. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself, this is much more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared to ask him any question. The word of the Lord. Thanks, babe. Okay, friends, before we get into the word, just a quick note. It's been uh, quite a last couple of weeks uh, here at Genesis where we've mourned together and talked together, and we're going to talk some more together. Uh, The last two weeks have been hard and beautiful and good. Uh, But I want to invite you to a congregational meeting on the 12th, Monday, so a week from tomorrow. It'll be downstairs in the parlor, same place where we're going to have our community meal and we're just going to do some more listening to each other and with each other. And um, then we'll chart a course forward slowly. So please come to that. Uh, but now it's time to get back to the word. So pray with me as we start. Uh, Lord Jesus, in your mercy, hear this prayer. Beyond uh, words, we need a movement of your spirit. Uh, so that's what we pray for. No, no pep talk can do, no wise um, series of points is what we need right now. We need a movement of your spirit that pierces our hearts. So we ask for that boldly. Amen? All right, so we start this, uh, this passage, Mark 12. If you look in the previous verses, Jesus has entered Jerusalem and it is on. There is a conflict going back and forth between Jesus and the religious system that is hot and getting hotter. Jesus, this is where he cleanses the temple. Scribes and Pharisees are in his face constantly testing him, asking him questions. He's responding. The temperature of the whole city is getting really, really hot. And then we get to this passage. So uh, question, all play question number one. If you're new around here, all plays are designed to actually hear the voice of the chorus and so hear the voice of God better than if just one person said it. So, not a trick question. What's a scribe? What's a Pharisee? Not technically, but how do we feel about scribes and Pharisees? 
Bad dudes will, thank you. Anyone care to elaborate? Say it again. Legalistic, thanks Becky. Religious, thanks John. Elite, Bob. (laughs) Yeah, Joe, the man. Meaning the system, meaning the bureaucracy, meaning those who get in between you and God. That's the scribes and Pharisees, right? And Jesus has some choice words to say to them over the course of the Gospels, does he not? Can anyone think of a few words that he uses to describe scribes and Pharisees, religious leaders? You brood of vipers. You know what that really means, you guys? So like vipers would hide in a, in a place that looks safe. But when you put your hand in that safe place, you would get stung. The reason why he calls them brood of vipers is because you are hiding in a safe place, which is the temple, but people who get near, try to get near to God get stung. That's what that phrase means, delicious. Uh, Jesus should have written a book, shouldn't he have? <laughs> but he didn't. Isn't that great? Finally, a person who has thoughts and doesn't write them down. Uh, Any other words to use to describe scribes and Pharisees? Whitewashed tombs. Micah, you look good on the outside, but inside you're full of dead man's bones. Sorry, Micah, not you. You. Outsides match the insides, Micah. Thanks, Scott. Go back to the recording, and like Micah's like, I, I am out of here, man. This is horrible. <laughs> this place. Uh, so when, when you get to a passage like this one, Mark 12, verse 28, I think it's important to ask, what is this portion? It's another way to say passage. It's, it's more of a um, delicious way. It's a portion that you might sample and eat taste, a portion, is uh, what does it tell me, but also what does it show me? So this passage is all about love, right? I mean, this is the quintessential Jesus boiling it all down, love God, love others, that's the deal. So we all go, okay, that's, that's the most important thing, and that's what it tells us, right? And then we're supposed to go out and do it, right? Easy, right? No. So I think there's a way that if you just look one layer underneath, this passage not only tells us something, but it shows us something. So what's happening in the passage? If you pay attention to it, I want to read it again. And Annalise, would you bring it up on the, on the screen as I read it again? And I want you to, to see what you notice in terms of what it shows us, Okay. Uh, one of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that Jesus answered them well, he asked him, which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, the first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, with all your strength. The second's like it. You should love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said to Jesus, You're right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one. Beside him, there is no other. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the strength, to love one's neighbor as oneself, this is so much more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. 
When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you're not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask Jesus any questions. (laughs) I like that. Uh, What does it show us about loving one's neighbor? That's an all play. What does the scribe do that is different than any other thing that we've read in Mark chapter 12 that I described earlier so far? Jenny said, he hears and experiences what Jesus is saying in a new way. I agree with that 100%, and I want to ask, why does he see and experience what Jesus is saying in a new way? Thanks, Travis. He came near. When you're dealing with someone that maybe you don't see as your neighbor, even though you're commanded to, the scribe does something that no other scribes really did, or Pharisees, that we know of. We see that he drew near to Jesus in order to hear him. Now, on a scale of one being super easy to do, 10 being the hardest thing ever, how easy is it to draw near to hear someone with whom maybe you are having a bit of a struggle understanding? Rhetorical question, I shouldn't even do that. So it's not even, yeah, that's 10 for me. Maybe some of you enjoy that, maybe some of you love that. But for me, taking the time to draw near, to listen, so that I can see something that I haven't previously seen is hard. Why is that hard? That is an all-play question. You have to be vulnerable in order to do it. You have to put yourself out there. It can be scary, Charlie said, way out of your comfort zone. Go ahead. Deva said, it's admitting you didn't see right before. Bob, you said ego. Kara said, you have to lay aside your desire to be heard and understood at first. And this is all graduate level stuff, yeah? You experience possible rejection. What I want... Say it again, Katie. You risk having to change your mind. And so I think part of what this passage is showing us that if you're going to love your neighbor, the first act of love must be a real attempt to see that neighbor for real. You cannot love in the way of Jesus without coming near. And that is all the hard work that we just talked about. All the vulnerable work that we just talked about. So, it's so fascinating that the scribe draws near, but then how does Jesus love the scribe as a neighbor, when the scribe has drawn near. Do you remember? You have your one sheet, you can cheat. 
look at it if you have a Bible. How do, say it again, Bob. Yeah, he says, you are not far from the kingdom of God. I mean, that's, like, that's as close as you're going to get from a rabbi, probably. He's not going to say you're in. He's going to say, well, one thing you've told me, two things have I heard, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, what else? How does Jesus show love to the, to, his, to the scribe that's a neighbor? Remember, he's been getting his butt kicked his whole, that whole week in, in Jerusalem by the very person that he's now talking to. Thanks, Dave. He showed him respect by giving a real answer to his question. He took his question seriously, even though most of the other questions, you guys, that the scribes and Pharisees were putting toward Jesus were tests and traps. Jesus, after hearing, let's say, a thousand of these tests and traps, hears a real question and answers it as a real question, even though he could have been really cynical. Right? Now you say, well, he's Jesus. He's not going to be super cynical. Now, Jesus either was a robot or a real person. You have to choose. If he was a robot, then he knew exactly what everyone was ever going to say. Every emotion he ever showed in the scriptures was total play acting. Right? Or he was a human being with full range of emotion that had the capacity to be cynical and tired and like, uh, you know, try to write someone off, right? But he doesn't do that here. He answers him. And he even says, you've spoken well. Now, why does he say you've spoken well? What answer does the scribe give that allows Jesus to, to think, okay, he is really actually getting it? Yep, same thing. Will said it, Charlie said it. He compares what Jesus said to burnt offerings. He, and he, he basically, the scribe basically says, oh my goodness, I've wandered away from the greatest commandment. I've, been, I've come to believe, and I think I just wandered that way. I didn't make some volitional decision that how I sacrifice is the most important thing. The, the, the process of sacrifice, the putting it on the altar, the rules, the regulations, and I've, I've come to believe that that is what's most important about God, and now I see that it's not. Now I see that it really is love God, love neighbor. This is startling. Like, I want to see the, the movie that comes out about this guy's life after the interaction with Jesus. Who knows? Maybe he goes back and enters the system again. Maybe he becomes a stealth follower of Jesus. Maybe he has to think about it for a while. So, Here's a question for us, 2018. What question is this scripture portion trying to get us to ask of ourselves? You can just throw out ideas. Do we have compassion for the Pharisees and scribes, or are we just going to call them those people? That kind. I know that category. Or are we going to take them seriously that maybe that category has a, a good question that's worthy of respect and answering? I like that. Who's my neighbor? Yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, who's my neighbor? Um, love your Republican neighbor. Love your Democrat neighbor. Love your Christian neighbor, Muslim neighbor, addicted neighbor, atheist neighbor. Who's my neighbor? And how do I draw near to them? And how do I confront the fact that even though I say I'm not a ist, you know, just fill in the blank, misogynist, racist, maybe if I was really honest, I do categorize people and I don't see them. Maybe even the person that lives in your house, you do that too. Sometimes it's easier to talk about racism, as hard as that is, than it is to talk about what's going on in your house or in your church. So I, I wonder, I wonder for us, I want you to ask God to bring to your mind the face of a neighbor that it's hard for you to love in the current moment. Just, no one comes up, that's fine. Just whisper that to God. God, bring, bring the face. And maybe it's a type of person, that's fine. Maybe it's an actual person, that's fine. And then I wonder if the first step toward loving your neighbor is actually praying for the desire to love your neighbor <laughs> and really see your neighbor. <laughs> I wonder if that's the first step. God, I don't want to see them because if I do see them, I'm going to be forced to change my mind about them, and I don't want to because that's going to require work. So God, give me the desire. Would that, be a, that might be a good first step of love. Amen? God, give me the desire. Because I don't, think a lot gets done when you just try hard. I think you get tired. Now, there's intention, for sure. There's doing a hard thing, for sure. There's doing it when you're not ready, for sure. But I think it starts with a movement of the Spirit. And then maybe... Is it possible for you, after you've prayed for that desire to really see that person as a person, for you to come near to hear that person as a neighbor? What would that look like? That awkward email, hey, can we meet? Why do you want to meet? Just some stuff you want to talk about? Okay. Isn't, I mean, that's the best. Read Mark 12, 28 through 34, and that should explain everything. That's, that's your response, right? But then, those of you who've done that recently, who've drawn near, okay? Is it hard? You bet. But what else comes when you choose to draw near? That's an all play. You, be, you lay yourself bare and you, uh, you have to rely on God to be your strength. I was texting back and forth with someone just yesterday 
And we were kind of talking about that. And I said, honestly, I hate that. And the person said, I do too, so let's hate it together and stay in it. That's pretty great. Those of you who have done that recently, drawing near to listen, to be heard, what comes to you when you do that? Freedom. Thanks, Molly. Understanding. Thanks, Rachel. We're going to have a workshop uh, as one of the tables led by Katie, interpersonal affect regulation. Yeah. Right. Oh, Oh, they're so good. Next week, yeah. There's a thing that happens. There's an interplay. Amen. There's a study that was done. I just, my friend just told me about it, but it's these teenage girls who, um, who went through a traumatic experience and they somehow controlled that. I'm not sure how they did that. But then some of them, they got a phone call from their mom. Some of them got a, met with their mom right after that. And some of them got a text from their mom. The, the, the girls who got face-to-face with their mom their, uh, Becky, what's the, the chemical that, no, what's the chemical that floods your body of love? What's the, prolactin, I'm looking for a different word, but whatever. Oxytocin. Oxytocin went way up, okay? Even a phone call, oxytocin went up, cortisol went down. The text, cortisol stayed where it was. Oxytocin didn't raise. There is a time for drawing near. And it's not always today. It's not always today. There's a time for drawing near. Um, And then the same thing is true about flip the script of someone, like you're receiving someone, right? Someone says, hey, you know, let's talk. And then you're, you're receiving them. What does it mean to love them as a neighbor and really see them? Regulating some defensiveness, maybe. And then when it comes to, like, because this is about loving God, too, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, guess what? It's the exact same thing. If you can't see God for who God really is, you actually need to do some work so that you can see God for who God really is, or else you're going to keep interacting with robot God, who just, you know, robot Jesus felt all, didn't feel anything, just had all the answers, knew what everybody was thinking, so he was going to react in just exactly a predictable way, but he looked human. That's actually a heresy that was confronted at the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD called docetism. That's a heresy to believe that, that Jesus only appeared to be human. So put that in your theological pipe. Time to be done. Okay. Um, What would it look like for you to figure out where you are in the journey. Is it time for you to just ask God to give you the desire to really see a person or a group of people? Is it possible for you then 
Is it time for you to start to come near to hear that person or that group of people as a neighbor? How would you do that? Well, you can ask for help in that. You know, people, there are certain people who are farther along the journey than I am and that you are. And then, what does it look like to simply give dignity to a good question? We all can do that. You might have no answer. You might have an answer. But we can give dignity to a good question. And we can ask a good question. Frankly, um, a couple of the people I met with this last week when we were going through the painful situation after Haynes was let go, their, their first question for me was, so what are you hearing from other people? And I felt so glad that that was their first question <laughs> because I could say, well, here's, here's what I'm hearing. And they could say, okay. And then some of those same people said, I had to wait to meet with you so that I could ask you a question <laughs> that gave you dignity. We have a good community, people. It's hard, so hard, but, or and, and, we can do hard things. We can ask good questions. We can give space to each other. And we can move forward together. Amen. Thank you.